This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon is by Pastor Matt Woodley and is part five of our Epiphany 2016 series. So this is my friend, Vu Wynn, and uh, Vu has been part of Res for a long time, and for the last two Sundays we've been talking about Jesus' uh, passion to reach all the nations of the earth with the good news of the gospel, and I thought, you know, Vu's got a really interesting story from Vietnam to the U.S. and now going to the Amazon, and so it's like, so, tell us your life story in two minutes, okay? And make it really interesting, okay? Great. Yeah, no pressure, though. Okay, go ahead. I thought we were going to sing a duet. Oh, no, no, no. That's later. Okay. Okay. Well, good morning, uh, Rez. Mine means uh, Vu Nguyen. And my wife, Cheryl, uh, and our daughter, Lan, are planning to go uh, as full-time missionaries uh, to the Amazon in Brazil. And Pastor Matt had asked if we can just give a quick kind of our journey and also um, my testimony, if you will. So, well, my story begins when I, was, uh, when I was seven. I came as a refugee from Vietnam to United States. And uh, we were, my family and I were resettled here in Wheaton. And I quickly adapted to the life. And I kind of grew up as a Catholic Christian kid in the suburb of Wheaton. And... Um, for example, third grade was when I went to a summer camp and I gave my life to the Lord and invited Jesus to be my Savior. And I was telling Pastor Matt, I, I think I did that seven days in a row, um, just to make sure that, uh, you know. Um, and it stuck. Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. And so, uh, <laughs> fast forward. So, again, I, I kind of kept that kind of suburbanite Christian Catholic kid growing up and I did all my things as a kid would and fast forward to my college years and I would summarize it as definitely pursuing my passions and the experiences but all away from the Lord and um, you know I was on a trajectory that would uh, uh, fulfill the expectations my parents had for my life and also my goal of kind of having that American the good life and that included the trajectory was to go to law school and be a corporate lawyer. And um, uh, about senior year was when the Lord really started to work in my heart and kind of drew me back to him. And through a series of experiences and even some visions that I had where um, the Lord really kind of took me through those years and seasons in which culminating in what I would call the Lord um, being the Lord of my life, Jesus being the Lord of my life as opposed to um, kind of just my Savior. And that was when I kind of went under the jurisdiction, if you will, uh, of the Lord. And that's when I started going to res, mid-90s, married Cheryl in 99, and then we had our daughter, Lon, in like 2006. Uh, 2003 kind of backtrack a little bit. In 2003 was when uh, Church of the Res sent out its first short-term missions team, and we went along to the Amazon for two weeks, and something came alive when I was in the jungles there, and I loved the people, I loved the land, Um, I, um, I, it just, I was in love with it, and of course, the two weeks ended, went back, oh, it was good, went back to my normal life, and 2005, we had the opportunity to go again. And we went, and again, that kind of being alive in that setting kind of really woke both of us up. And we walked away from it thinking, well, romancing, really, like, yeah, wouldn't that be cool if we could do work in the Amazon? But then we're like, wait, 
that's so weird. If God called us even at all, wouldn't it be Asia? Because my wife Cheryl grew up as a missionary kid uh, in um, Taiwan and being from Vietnam, and we thought, oh, you know, wow, that, okay. But then we've always joked between Cheryl and I that, you know, Cheryl is like a hard-boiled egg. She is white on the outside and yellow on the inside, you know, and... (laughs) And me being a banana, like yellow on the outside, but kind of white or off-white on the inside, you know. So, so we're like, oh, okay. But, you know, that feeling never left us. And so we started to think, well, is it a calling, perhaps? And so then we started to involve our friends, close friends, and Stuart and Catherine, and, um, and kind of started fleecing it out and also made it known. So we thought, you know what, let's have, being, let's have people hold us accountable to this calling and to make sure that we walk this through. And 2009 was when we as a family decided to go and spend a month in the Amazon um, with our daughter at the time being two and a half. And it was the same feeling. And then on top of it, she loved it. I mean, she loved going down the river, sleeping on hammocks, loved the bugs, the insects. I mean, she was just alive as well. And we thought, wow, okay. Um, And then... About four years ago was when we really kind of formally um, entered that track, and here we are today uh, on the cusp of that. Mm. So. so tell us uh, what you will be doing in Brazil, well, our, specifically. Yes, we will be working with an organization called Project Amazon, or PAZ, and we, our main vocation will to be guest house parents and, in essence, uh, coordinate, organize, and also accompany teams that go out into the river villages. It could be a medical missions team where we take doctors and dentists to do triages, uh, construction teams that literally physically build churches out there, and also ministry teams that minister to children and women and people at risk like that. Okay, so So I got one more question. This, This is a really, it's kind of a wild story. So come from Vietnam, you lose absolutely everything, yes. right? Come to the United States, <clears throat> you like, get the American dream, okay? And your wife grew up in Taiwan, and you guys are going to the Amazon. So, yeah. I mean, just generally, yeah. why? Goodness, we, you know, we've, there are days when we feel like, why are we doing this? I mean, can't we just kind of live it out and send people? But for us, we keep pretty simple. It's obedience. Um, for us, it's to take steps of obedience. And that's uh, to live under the Lord in that way is very freeing. Um, we call it the Abrahamic life, mm. where we just go where the Lord tells us. Mm. You know, so. And I just want to make one final comment. So they have to get to 90% of their support raise before they can leave and go. On, they're at 84%. So... Um, I just feel like they've been hanging around here enough, and so we want to like get them going. And so, so somebody this morning, can you like talk to Vu and Cheryl and just say, what do you need? What do we need to get you to 90%? Okay, so just want to put that in there. Okay, thank so you. thank you, Vu. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> so we support about uh, eight missionaries at Res, global missionaries, people that cross cultures to share the good news of Jesus. And missionary might be a word that has some good baggage for you or maybe some bad baggage for you, but it just literally means someone who is sent, someone who is sent out. And they're sent out specifically to share the good news, and that usually means that they're sent out across cultures 
to usually oftentimes across language, across ethnic groups, to share the good news of Jesus. So now it's tempting when you hear a story like uh, Vu and Cheryl's and Lance to have one of two reactions. Number one, um, they're nuts. You know, that's interesting, but it's kind of foolish, you know. Uh, number two, your action could be, that is amazing. That's so amazing. People like that, they're like on God's all-star team. Uh, meanwhile, me, my life, I'm not even really sitting on the bench, you know. I'm not even really a water boy or a water girl. I just, compared to them, I'm just not a very good Christian. Well, our gospel reading from this morning uh, that you just heard from Matthew 28 um, Jesus is going to undercut both of those assumptions in just a few verses. He's going to undercut both of those. And he's going to tell us that uh, just a very simple thing. It's very clear. He's going to say God calls ordinary Christians to an extraordinary mission. And I even gave you a little flow chart to follow along, okay? So if you don't remember anything I said, you can just look at this flow chart and then you'll know that how this passage is organized. So if you turn to page 12 in your bulletin, where it says God on a mission, um, and you look at that, ordinary people, extraordinary mission, Pastor Matt Woodley, that's me. Here's the flow chart, very simple. This is how the Gospel of Matthew 28 goes. Jesus calls ordinary people and, and churches, calls them into an extraordinary mission, and Jesus promises to be with them. So it's a Jesus sandwich, which I'll get to in a few minutes. But let's look first at the ordinary people. Because in this Gospel reading, let me just give you a little context. This is right after Jesus' resurrection. He died. They saw him die. They saw him get crucified. Now he's risen from the dead. The disciples see him, and he gathers together this little band of disciples. And at this point, we should be thinking, as Jesus gives this great commission for them to go and reach all the nations of the earth, we should be thinking, really? Them? That group of people? Are you kidding me? This is a group of people that denied Jesus? This is a group of people that pretended they didn't know him? This is the group of people that fell asleep when Jesus asked him to just stay awake for one hour. This is a group of people who said, yeah, we got your back, Jesus, and then every one of them bailed on Jesus. This is the group of people that you're going to use to reach all the nations of the earth. And look at verse 17 in your gospel reading, because this is just this is like one of those amazing verses in the Bible that you can just kind of zip by, but just pause and think about this. So it says, verse 17, And when they saw him, that's Jesus risen from the dead, they worshipped. But some doubted. I love that little phrase, but some doubted. They saw him risen from the dead. Why would you doubt? Why would you have any doubts? Well, I believe this verse is in there because it's gospel. It's good news for sinners. Because we are these people that sometimes believe and sometimes doubt, and sometimes we're doubting worshipers, and sometimes we're worshipful doubters, and Sometimes we're strugglers in the Christian faith. And the first thing I want to say is, don't let your struggles, don't let your doubts, don't let your questions disqualify you from being part of Jesus' greatest mission on the planet to reach all the nations of the earth. Don't disqualify yourself when Jesus has not disqualified you. Jesus takes this raw group of disciples, very unfinished, with a lot of work to do, and he looks at them and he says, this is my dream team. I'm going to use these people. I can take this raw material, I can work with them, and I can make them in disciples who are amazing. That's what Jesus does. 
So what is this extraordinary mission? It takes ordinary people, calls them into this extraordinary mission. What is it? Well, in Matthew chapter 28, um, last four verses of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. So it's a long book. These are the last four verses. And there's a lot of verbs in there. There's the verb go, there's baptizing, teaching. But there's only one command in this passage. One, what you learned in English, imperative. One thing that you really must do. And that is, make disciples of all nations. That's really the only command in this, in this passage. Now, making disciples of all nations, what's a disciple? A disciple is someone that follows Jesus. They don't do it perfectly, as we just said, but they want to follow Jesus. They trust Him as Savior, and as Vu said, they trust Him as Lord. And they're trying to grow in that relationship. That's what a disciple is. Who are the nations? Well, the nations are not just countries. Because that's not the way that word is used in the Bible. It's not like just Nigeria and China and Kenya and uh, Brazil and Bolivia. Nations in the Bible is people groups. It's groups of people. And last Sunday, if you were here, I said that there are about 12 to 16,000 different people groups all throughout the world. So Nigeria is not just the nation of Nigeria, but there are 250 people groups in Nigeria. So there's the Hausa, there's the Igbo, there's the Yoruba. There's all these different people groups, distinct cultural groups. And Jesus said, I want you to make disciples of all those people groups. Now, it gets even more wild. Okay, So this little band of imperfect disciples, us, little band of imperfect disciples, is supposed to read all the people groups of the world. But also Jesus said, make disciples of them. Not make them disciples of you, make them disciples of me. Now, making disciples is not easy. It takes time. It's really time-intensive. You can't mass-produce them. If you're a parent, you're discipling your child. And that takes time. That is not just done when they go to college, when they go off. You're still discipling them by the way you live your life. It takes time. It takes one person willing to walk beside another person in love over a long period of time. Let me give you a couple of concrete examples. So, here's a true story. Two teenage girls, nine, or, uh, about 12 and 14, were rescued from the red light district of Calcutta, India. It's Calcutta, the new name for Calcutta. They were found in a brothel among crumbling buildings and narrow alleyways. How did they get there, you wonder? Well, they were from an extremely poor family, an abusive family, they went with somebody they trusted who told them that they would bring them to a better life in downtown Calcutta. And they wound up making them, forcing them to live in this brothel and to serve other people's needs. A Christian ministry called International Justice Mission uh, rescues these women and young boys from a life of this kind of slavery and trafficking. They offered them a way out. They brought them out. What does making disciples look like to these two girls? Well, it means justice. It means strength to set them free. It means working with law enforcement officials. It means working against corrupt government officials. It means sharing with them the good news of Jesus, sharing with them that they are people made in the image and likeness of God. It means sharing with them that they are loved by Christ Himself, the One who said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Me. It means all of that. And that takes time. 
You don't just come in and plop a gospel tract on them and say, here, here's the good news, and then walk away. This takes time. Let me give you another story. A young man from Phnom Penh. His nickname is Lucky. He's about 22 years old. I met him when I was in Phnom Penh this last May at the Patio Hotel. He was one of my waiters at the restaurant, or the restaurant where, at the hotel I was staying. And we've kept in touch the whole time through Facebook. Um, the first day he came up to me, he saw me reading, well, after he'd met me a couple days, and he, he calls me Uncle Matt, he says, Uncle Matt, Uncle Matt, what are you reading? He said, well, I'm reading my Bible. And he just looked at me and he said, what is a Bible? I thought, hmm, I haven't heard that question for a while. I'm going to have to back up here, start from the very beginning. Now I've connected him with a local pastor in Phnom Penh who's given him a Khmer, which is the Cambodian language, Khmer, an English version of the New Testament. It's going to take a number of people to connect with Lucky over a long period of time to share with him the central message of God's love for him. And here, here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing about making disciples, this whole disciple-making process. You know, it used to be that you would go from here to there to make disciples. So it was always from here to there. And the here was like always the United States. The United States is the place where we got all these Christians and all these resources and all this money and all these big churches. And we would go there. And there was like places like Africa or Cambodia all these strange places where all the heathens lived, you know, where all the pagans lived. Well, today, that whole scenario has been completely flipped on its head. We still need people like Vu and Cheryl who are going to go from here cross-culturally. But here's what's happening now in our world. There's people from there, like Nigeria and Kenya and China, who are coming here and other places because they've heard the good news of Jesus, they've accepted it for themselves, and now they're sharing it with other people. It's like crazy. I read two stories this week, two news stories. Just like, I thought it was so comical. So at Columbia Business School in Manhattan, New York, Deepak Chopra, the New Age Hindu guru kind of guy, is teaching MBA students about Hinduism in their MBA classes. Okay? Meanwhile, I read another story, in Nepal, the country of Nepal, the church is growing like crazy. This Hindu-dominated country. About 40 years ago, they did their annual census, there were zero Christians in Nepal. Zero. Now there are almost half a million in 40 years. How in the world did that happen? And meanwhile, MBA students at Columbia are thinking they're getting a good education because there's they're studying Deepak's Hinduism. Is it, see how the world just gets flipped upside down? It's like, it's crazy. You know the good thing is? Here's the exciting thing. Missions is no longer from here to there. Missions is from anywhere to everywhere. What does that mean to us? That means no matter where you are, no matter where you are, you can be on mission. My uh, son was telling me a story from Nashville. He ran into this homeless guy. And this homeless guy was just kind of helping my son get a piece of furniture into the car. And my son John realized, you know, this is a guy who's just trying to help me out. He didn't ask for any money. 
And they kind of started talking, and John brought him to a coffee shop, brought him a cup of coffee, got him something to eat. I think, that's how mission works nowadays. It's not from here to there. It's from anywhere to everywhere. It's where you live. If you just have your eyes open, your ears open, you'll find people. You'll find people that need the Lord. So it's from anywhere to everywhere. That's where we make disciples. Now, notice again this little flow chart. So we got the flow chart on page 12. Okay, You notice that uh, it starts with Jesus and it ends with Jesus. I call that the Jesus sandwich or the Jesus wrap. Now what does that mean? Well, the Jesus sandwich is like this. Your life is wrapped up in Jesus if you're a follower of Christ. It's wrapped up in Him. Notice um, in our Gospel reading, notice verse 18. Again, these are some of the last words Jesus said before He left planet planet Earth in bodily form, so they're pretty important. In verse 18 He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Now what kind of person, what kind of nut job goes around saying, like what if I said, stood up here this morning and said, I don't just have the authority to preach from because Bishop Stewart has given me authority to preach. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Like, what? What kind of arrogant nut job are you? But what if Jesus, what he was saying is true? That all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. What if that's true? You know, you heard Vu's story. What I loved about Vu's story is that he kind of like, you know, went to church and kind of did the American thing and even accepted Jesus into his heart. But then there was a time when it's like, boom, wait a minute. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. What difference does that make to my life? You know, sometimes I talk to people who by their own admission, would consider themselves not Christian or very irreligious. And sometimes they say, oh, I'm just not so, I'm not so, I'm kind of down on Christianity. Because it's always like, ah, you guys, you're always talking about, you know, you're saying that about sex and you're talking about you've got to give money and you've got to, like, forgive your enemies. And I think that's a really good idea, but it's just not very practical. And, and I always want to say, well, look, you're starting way too far down the road, Okay. Back it up. Back up the bus a little bit. Back it up to here. And before you start looking at what Jesus said about all that stuff, ask yourself, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Is he who he said he is? Does he really have all authority in heaven and earth? Is he really the friend of sinners? Does he really love you right now, wherever you're at, how much baggage you have in your life? Is he that kind of God and Savior? then once you settle those questions, this stuff down here, that's going to come a lot easier for you. still won't be easy. You'll still have to grow, but it's going to become a lot easier once you decide that question. Does Jesus have all authority in heaven and earth? So that's the first end of the sandwich. Second end of the sandwich is Jesus' presence. So you've got his power, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth, and his presence. Notice verse 20, the last verse in the Gospel of Matthew, first book of the New Testament. He says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. If you translate that into English, literally, it literally reads like this. It literally reads, I, I myself, because the I is emphatic. Jesus is saying, I am with you all 
because the you is plural. It's not just me personally, it's y'all. We don't have a way to do that in, in English unless you're from the South. So thank God for Texas and Tennessee and Alabama. So we can say y'all. I myself am with y'all literally the whole of every single day. That's how it's literally translated. I, I myself am with y'all the whole of every single day. I'm with y'all. I'm not just with the guy standing up here preaching. I'm not just with Father Stephen. I'm not just with Bishop Stewart. I'm not just with the superstars. I'm with y'all. And he says, I'm not just with you on good days, when everything's going great, when your life is on track. I'm with you on bad days. I'm with you when you're struggling. I'm with you when you're doubting. I'm with you when you're, when you're suffering, when your life has fallen apart. I am with you the whole of every single day. So you got, you're wrapped in Jesus' power and His presence. So what difference would that make if you, like I, this is what I was thinking about this week, what difference would it make if I really believed that? Well, when I was writing the sermon this week, I, I came up with a, I was kind of ticking off a little list, and uh, let me share with you my little list, okay, because I think they're good things. Um, we have a guy, a missionary that we support named Pat Crayer, who was in Afghanistan for 20 years. Now he's got a PhD in Islamic studies. He knows, he's an expert on the world scene, of what's going on in global missions. He's going to be at our church two weeks from this Sunday, in the afternoon, right after the second service, February 21st. Come to that. Come and join us for that. That's one thing you can do. Uh, second thing is, we have a refugee team called the Good Neighbor Team that walks beside a newly arriving refugee family for a year. We have one of those right now. We're, starting to, we're trying to start two to three more of those this year. So if that's something you're interested in, come and talk to me. I can get you connected with that. Um, some of you, you may go. You may be called to go. Some of you may be called to let your children go. You know, Vu. His parents probably wanted a certain dream for his track for his life, you know. And at some point, as parents, our kids might say, Mom, Dad, I want to go to Papua New Guinea. Seriously, it happened to me six months ago. My oldest son, Matt, came to me, his wife Tammy, two kids, 50% of my grandchildren, two out of four, and he said... He's a medical doctor. He said, we are applying and everything looks good and all the lights are green and all the doors are opening to go to Papua New Guinea. And I said, do you know how far away that is? That's further than Erie, Pennsylvania, where you now live. There is very few places on the planet that are more remote besides Antarctica than Papua New Guinea. So I started praying for them. And here was my prayer. Lord, guide them, but please close that door, okay? <laughs> please give them a red light. Would that be too much to ask? You know, part of my calling is to bless them and let them go. Not only let them go, but bless them, pray for them, give to them. You may be called to do that as well. But you know, as I was writing this sermon, there was really one big thing that kind of stuck out to me. 
And that is, what if we, I was thinking this to myself, what if I really believed that Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth and he is with me the whole of every day? What if I really believed that? What if you were really believed that you were loved infinitely by the God of the universe who has all authority on heaven and earth? What if you really believed that he could walk with you the whole of every single day? There's a verse in the Bible that says, perfect love casts out all fear. So I was asking myself, how would I really live if I really believed that? You know, every once in a while, somebody will say, when I'm going into a tough situation, a friend of mine will say, Matt, I got your back. And that means a lot to me. But what if I really believe that Jesus, the one who has all authority on heaven and earth, always has my back? I mean, it's not like he has my back when I'm sinning against him. That's, that's not the point I'm making. But he has my back the whole of every day. What if I really believe that? What kind of creativity would be unleashed in my life? What kind of joy? What kind of confidence? What kind of a sense of mission every day would be unleashed in me and through me if I really believe that? Now, notice Jesus did not say, you'll never suffer. He did not say you will never fail. He did not say you, will never, you won't ever get hurt. He didn't say your children will never struggle or get hurt. He didn't promise that. He said, I will be with you the whole of every single day. It doesn't matter whether you're a stockbroker or a car mechanic or a sales rep or a teacher or a full-time missionary to Brazil or a stay-at-home parent or a nurse or a student or a financial planner or a fast food worker or a taxi driver or an athlete or a musician. It doesn't matter. God has called us first to make disciples of all the nations. And, again, I said mission is, it can be from anywhere to everywhere. And you can also have the life that Jesus promised you with his commanding presence and with his commanding authority and with his commanding presence. So, Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.